Thursday. If you're on uh, Facebook, what is he doing? I'm pointing out above the above the fold, man. Above the fold on the Arkansas section, Hutchinson spokesman to lead position lobbying firm hires Davis successor to start in October. And uh, that, of course, is Katie Beck, who was on the show yesterday with you. That's right. That's right. She seems really nice. She's she great. seems to be very astute as well. Yes, she's going to be really, really good. Uh, she's got a great background for it, so I'm ready for her to hit the ground running. I know she will. What was really funny about it is that she already, well, she's been doing this for a while, PR side, and, and she knew when I asked her that question about Warren, just to leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's called good instinct. That's right. That's a good instinct to not say anything. That's that's a good thing. By the way, what do we believe on our show right there? Core values of the Arkansas Republican Party. You got it handy right there. You didn't there. even know I had it here, I did didn't. You? I didn't I have know this right here. I read it from time to time just to kind of help remind some of our elected legislators what our core values are here in the state of Arkansas. And just stand at the doors and hand those out next session. I think I might do that. There you go. I just might do that. You know, I think I'll print those up. I think that would be a good way to start off the maybe the fiscal conservative, just fiscal session. Can't say it's conservative. Fiscal session. (laughs) It's coming up. Oh, man. (laughs) It's going to be a fun 2020, right? It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. I mean, um, can I, let me play a piece of audio for you. You never think Beto can go crazy. Is it Beto? Is that how you go to Beto? I think it's or? Beto. I've heard. Yeah, okay. just What's his real name? name? What, what was his real name? It's not, yeah. It's I don't not know. Beto. Beto is uh, his, his nickname, but yeah. I have no idea. He's like, uh, I've got a white guy name, but I don't say it out loud. Yeah. You know, because I'm... Hurts the numbers. I'm, I'm upset with my, my white privilege. Uh, anyway, what about Trudeau? Oh, buddy. What about Trudeau? I'm, Did you see that, Zach? The Prime Minister of Canada, Trudeau, dressed up. I made the point to my staff. You know, you just never think. Uh, by the way, it's Robert Francis O'Rourke. There you go, Robert O'Rourke. Francis. Yeah, I like Francis. that I like middle Francis. name. Yeah, I actually told my staff before I left here is just, you know, the Trudeau. That whole stuff. When you're talking about Canada, it's so bland. You just don't expect the Prime I'm, Minister of Canada to be the guy he, wrapped up in that. He was. Dressed up like uh, from the Arabian Aladdin. Nights or something. Yeah, I think they said something like he was trying to like be Aladdin for yeah. Halloween. It's and, for the most part. He had some kind of. He had an afro, and then he had it. And let me tell you what. Did you see the picture? What do you think, Zach? Now here's the key. I don't. I'm not going to get on his crap because he was what 19. Well, and he's also got a closet full of those pictures because you know he was the sort of the rock star. Teen pop, son of a prime minister, yeah. partied. 
Yeah, yeah, that was that was sort of his thing. But that you know, are they going to hold? Shocking. I if they're going to hold things against you when you were nineteen, I am freaking glad that they didn't have smartphones. Yeah, they didn't have you know Facebook Live. They didn't have Twitter. Because I'm telling you, dude, when you try to judge somebody of the mores of thirty years ago today, that's just not right. And you young whippersnappers out there, I love to use that word, yeah. that are, are trying to do that, I can't wait to the youth, the youth see how ignorant you were in yeah. your youth. Everybody makes terrible decisions. Everybody is. And college students. and Ignorant when they're young. I'll just tell you, uh, you know, the if this somehow brings down Trudeau and the... Democrats in Virginia are still standing. It blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Yeah. He just kind of. I don't got know real how that just sort of. Yeah, it just sort of just kind of went away. Which yeah, you he never got real see quiet. That well, he's a Democrat. Well, and that was well, and it was the it was the governor, the lieutenant governor, and the attorney general. All all three of them. Yeah. got into hot water. Yeah, they were so, all doing something. He was anyway. actually thirty years old at the time. He was thirty. Thirty. When that picture was taken? Yeah. Yes. Oh, oh no. Well, that that can cause gonna... you some problems. Because he was born in 71. That was in 2001. He was 30. Wow. Oh, my well, gosh. Dude, mm. now you may be in trouble, Trudeau. Say it ain't so, eh? Yeah, okay. So Francis O'Rourke tried to convince everybody that confiscating guns is constitutional. Have you heard this yet? Oh, yeah. All right, here we go. Let's play this. Cut one. Play it. Play it. So you, you listen to uh, a justice like Antonin Scalia, you know, not the most liberal justice um, who'd served on the Supreme Court. And in, even he found that there is no absolute guarantee under the Second Amendment and that the government does have a power to regulate That's those kinds true. of weapons that are extraordinarily unusual or deadly. And an, and an AR-15 or an AK-47, like the one used in El Paso, and I'm grateful that you came to El Paso and, and saw and met some of those victims for yourself. In under three minutes, 22 people were killed, dozens more grievously injured. In, in three minutes, because that's what that AK-47 was designed to do on Nobody will argue with you so, with the unique killing capabilities of these weapons. Okay. Now here's the point. An AK uh, or, or AR-15 shoots exactly the same way as a six-hour does, 9 millimeter or 40 cal. Give me a couple of those, let me walk into a crowded mall, and I bet you I can kill 22 people, too, in three minutes. Wouldn't take me long. I'm just being honest with you here. You don't have to have an AR-15. Yeah, I mean, I think two things. First of all, Beto O'Rourke. Or I'm just going to call him Francis. Francis. Yeah, uh, Francis, Francis O'Rourke. It's exhausting hearing him talk. It is like a cadence that just literally wears me out, number one. Number two, I hope he continues to talk about this. I hope every single Democrat in the uh, presidential field talks about this and, and adopts that sort of stance. Because I'm telling you right now, I mean, it's like it is, it is, a, it is Christmas every day for the Republican Party as long as these candidates keep getting cameras and microphones stuck in their face. Because... What they believe, and and the uh, just uh, it's all extreme out. policies that they want to implement and enforce is not popular 
with the general electorate, and that is going to be the problem. And but they just—I mean, I don't—I don't—I really don't know the strategy at this point. It's just, I guess, win any way you can, and then we'll figure it out in the general. But it's going to be way too late before then. But yeah. I hope they keep doing it, keep so, talking about it. So Francis went on. Yeah, you know, really good about people like this when it comes like to climate change or guns and stuff. Just keep on giving them the rope. They hang themselves, all right? They, that's what I do on the show all the time. That's why Democrats don't come on anymore. They won't come on anymore because I'll, I'm the nicest person in the world to them. I ask them straight on. Look, Zach knows. He was over at the state house. We had a couple come on, and I'd ask them the questions. And then sooner or later, they trip up. Yeah. And then you ask them again, and then they want to clarify, and they get deeper, and they dig in the ditch all the more deeper. Here's what Francis did. He did that. Cut number two. Are you, in fact, in favor of gun confiscation? Yes. When it comes to AR-15s and AK-47s, weapons designed for use on a military battlefield, the high-impact, high-velocity round that is fired from those weapons, when it hits your body, expends all of its kinetic energy, destroying everything that's inside. And I've met those who've survived uh, fire from an AK-47. I've met those who've lost a family member. That belongs on the battlefield, does not belong in this country. So when it comes to those weapons, Chris, the answer is yes. But when it comes to firearms used for hunting or self-defense, the answer is no. And I don't want you or anyone else to get into the fear-mongering that some have fallen prey to, saying that the government's going to come and take all of your guns. What we're talking about exclusively is weapons of war that have no place in our homes, no place on our streets, and should remain on the battlefield. I hear you. We'll talk I hear him, too. Pretty clearly what he's saying here. It's... I mean, he wants he to confiscate about, your guns. He can say it different ways well, all he wants to. He wants your guns. You know what's going to be the most difficult job in this next election is is choosing which sound bites to use in these thirty second spots. <laughs> because right there, when you have Chris Cuomo, and by the way, just again the 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 combination of of Francis and Chris Cuomo interview is just unwatchable. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, did they kiss? You know what? I, I, well, you just have the audio clips. Yeah, that's all, you that's have. all I got. All I, got. I don't have any any visual. I, it sounds like it was a love affair. It's remarkable. Well, I'll say that I'm getting off, but it's basically <laughs> there's two things. There's there's two two uh, segments I just cannot watch. One would be what we're listening to there is Chris Cuomo interviewing Francis O'Rourke. The second would be that little handoff between Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo uh, is the most obnoxious thing on television. Period. But to the to the to the Francis comment there, uh, he's saying, I'm not going to uh, you know, play to the fear-mongering and, and blah, blah, blah. You literally answered the question, do you think you should confiscate guns? And you said yes. Yes. That is literally what, what but, Republicans have been saying uh, yeah. for years. And so to it just, look, I'm telling you, it's going to be a field day to figure out those. They may literally just purchase one 30-second spot every day and just run <laughs> every single thing these Democrats have said over the course of a year. It's going to be remarkable to say it is a fertile target rich environment oh. is an understatement mm. a huge it's unbelievable understatement all right we've got 17 after we got to take a break we'll do that jr is here jr davis governor spokesman leaving for, the position for at least another week okay is that how long it is now 
Next Friday will be my last day. That's your last day. That's my last day. That's the first day for... Uh, She'll be in that next Katie Monday, so the 30th. Okay. So, yep. All right, so I need to... She didn't give me her cell phone yesterday. I'll shoot it to you. Okay. And that way I can get a hold of her. Actually, I have cards. I'm carrying cards around for her. For so her? Got, oh, oh yeah. that's we'll cool. hook her up. So there you go. Yeah. I like that. Information the same. Right. The title changes. So Katie Beck. And I'm going to get her. She's going to take over for JR. Got big shoes to fill, but I think she's going to do all right. I think she's going to do great. And uh, I just got to find out which day she'll be happy with to sit down here in the studio. And we will uh, continue this show i i really think that that's important i think it's important that somebody comes in and sits down and talks about what the governor is doing and what he's what his goals are i'd really like to get somebody to do that from the senate side and the house side as well yeah so i guess i need to call was it matthew shepherd is that who it is over yeah speaker shepherd uh cecily Ponmeo is the one that uh handles all the the house press. I know her and, yeah, from when great. she was uh, on okay, there. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so I'll give she's her great. a call. Yep. And I'll call over to the uh, the wonderful world of uh, the Senate. And we need to get the Lieutenant uh, Governor on. That's right. As far as getting somebody on to talk about what's going on with him. Because I think he's got big plans. Anyway, we need to take a break. We'll do that here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, Applied Research Center of Arkansas knows that type 2 diabetes can leave you feeling stuck. If you're a type 2 diabetic like I am, I, you know what I'm talking about. By the way, my last A1C was a 5.7. That's really good, man. I was really happy. I was a 7.6 and brought it down to almost a 5 now. But... Uh, you know, type 2 diabetes, there's a lot to take on. There's a lot of things about diet and exercise. And I think what, for mine, I've been eating clean pretty regularly, but I'm uh, I'm lifting every other day now, and I just got my, my uh, Olympic bar in, so I'm doing deadlifts again. And that's made a big difference. I mean, a huge difference. That is so, so big time tough on your body, but in a good way. But there's some good news for you. There's a new study that might be able to help you out. And uh, you just got to have a few qualifications, one being an A1C of eight or above. You have to be 18 years of age or older. And you got to be taking metformin only. Here's what you do. Call 501-954-7822. 501-954-7822. Or go to ARC Arkansas, ARCArkansas.com, and uh, they'll talk to you about this study. Get yourself into it. All of your uh, care is at no cost. You get compensation. That's just a big word that says they're going to pay you for time and travel. All right? Keep that in mind. Good thing for you. All right, we got two Fridays left with the man here, Jared Davis. I, I wanted to ask you. How the governor is feeling about this whole thing uh, on on um, vaping? We had some people that own a you know a store that sells vaping supplies and things of that nature. And to be honest, they're very very uptight about what's going to happen to their business. I mean, it's their livelihood. So uh, you know, what can you tell us? Well, I think 
you know, the biggest issue is that this is turning into a big issue. Uh, it's really, it's an important um, uh, policy initiative we need to really take careful consideration of uh, and uh, move forward with a good, thoughtful plan. Uh, and that's going to involve education, I think, first and foremost. Uh, our students, and for and look, we've seen the advertising. Vape has been sort of this fun new thing. It's not smoking. You can do it in a lot of places that smoking's not allowed. Um, and in some cases, and we've talked about this, it's it's sort of uh, marketed as uh, an alternative to cigarettes. Yeah. And and in some cases, and we've gotten calls to the governor's office where people said, "Hey, this has helped me Quit stop smoking. smoking." Yeah. The problem is they're still vaping, which is still nicotine. And yeah. Um, and so I think the most important thing is not to be knee-jerk in this. We need to be able to take the science uh, and, and the data that's being collected as we speak. I know Dr. Smith and his team over at the Department of Health are looking into this and, and the causes and, and how it's affecting Arkansans, especially our younger Arkansans. Um, but I believe education is where we need to start uh, and, and proper monitoring uh, in schools. Uh, and quite frankly, being nicotine, it should be treated as other nicotine products. Um, but those are things that we're dealing with and we're looking at. And, and the governor's seen Senator Hendren's bill and the statement he put out was, you know, legislation like this is something that needs to be considered by the General Assembly, whether it's at the next general session uh, or at a time where a consensus can be reached. But, you know, from his perspective, he understands that this is turning to an epidemic, but we've really got to look at what's causing this. Is it the is it the vaping uh, pens themselves? Is it the way it's getting into the body? In some cases, we've seen a mixture, which is really harming our younger generation because they're mixing THC with nicotine, and that combination um, has shown to have some pretty serious side effects. So uh, it, I, to me, it's, it's education on two fronts, not just letting our students know about the ramifications of using this, but also educating ourselves with the science and the data that we're collecting right now, this is still fairly new. And so we want to make sure that we have all the data before we make some drastic you know, decision. And I'm not saying a drastic decision is not needed. I think it is, but we want to make sure we're going about it in the right way. Well, here's my, this is my conservatism coming up. Yeah. Because as conservatives, we believe that people, adults, can make decisions for themselves. Sure. State is not the, paternalistic, you know, mom or pop. I understand about kids, but correct me if I'm wrong, it's already illegal for kids to be using it. Yes, well, they they passed the legislation to raise it to tobacco age of, to 21. Okay. Um, and that has not happened yet. But yes, anyone below 18, you, you shouldn't, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, but again, that's some of the confusion around vape is, is it a tobacco product, right? I mean, we all believe it is, but I don't know that there's anything in stone, in writing, in legislation or statute that says it is. And so that's kind of where we are. And I know where you're going with this, and, and, I, and I, I appreciate it. I know that anytime you increase taxes, especially in a Republican uh, majority, uh, that's frowned upon. I, I think where I commend Senator Hinton. No, I don't even want to talk about taxes. Yeah. I want to talk about the right of an adult to choose to well, yeah. use what he wants to use. And so if you're you, talking more about the outlaw part of it? Yeah. yeah. Why, if it's if it is already yeah. being made illegal for kids, just like booze, sure. all right, yeah. then why do we need to pass more laws 
that are going to affect a product that they're not supposed to be able to get in the first place. Right. Well, I think there's some, yes, to, to your point, there's some, there's some conversation about outlawing certain flavors, right? Because it's, it's marketed towards the youth. We've got to go to the news. All right. So hold your thought. All right. We'll good. come back. We'll continue. Let's get to the news. We'll give you a minute of catching up here of what's happening. Okay, back. We've got J.R. Davis here. He is the governor's spokesperson, at least for the next two weeks. <clears throat> if you saw the article today in today's paper, if you were listening to my show yesterday, you know that he has been given another opportunity. He has taken it, and he'll be uh, going to work at uh, Gilmore, right? Yeah, Gilmore Strategy Group. Okay, and uh, he'll be talking with companies about how best to get their message out and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. I I really think you should work hard with uh, the CEOs and things of different companies of how, like for ma- you know management when bad things happen. Yeah, crisis. Yeah, crisis, crisis management. management. Yeah. Uh, how how you should appear on camera. You know, uh, having a person that is there. Uh, to help you with that, getting out the information, and definitely explain to them, do not try to hide it, and do not, under any circumstances, lie. Absolutely. You should do that. Yeah. You've got it. You can teach people. I mean, if you, if you, man, if you say something that is a fib, and you know it is, they will roast you. Yeah, and we'll enjoy it while they do it. You know, and that's I've learned so much in the job that I'm currently in, and I think the governor is is you know, look, I know that it's politics, and I'm I'm still the spokesperson, so you know, you take everything I say with a grain of salt for the next week and a half. But yeah. uh, I've never met a more transparent uh, politician or elected official than Asa Hutchinson. So if it's a story, he's going to get it out there. If it's well, out if there, you have nothing to hide. Yeah. You can gotta, be transparent. There's no reason to hide anything. If it's out there, you give it to him. You, you, I mean, and, and, and we have an incredible uh, uh, group of reporters in this state that will work with you, want to know they're going to shoot you right, you're going to shoot them right, uh, and and uh, and they're going to tell the story, and they should, good, bad, and the ugly. But, you know, it's about that credibility uh, and make and they know that what you're telling them is the truth, um, and and vice versa. So I mean that that's it's it's all about just you know saying saying what's happening, let them know it's that's that's the deal. There's nothing else there, and and moving on. And okay. most of the time, those things move. You know, you move on. I want to go back to vaping. Let's talk vaping. <laughs> I want to go back. As you know, I'm always about the principles mm-hmm. of the state Republican Party, and. The third principle, and I hope that Senator Hendren will remember this, individual responsibility and initiative. It's up to every adult that is healthy enough or, you know, mentally fit enough to run their own lives. And if a product is not um, illegal... They should be able to use it, and the government shouldn't be making moves to stop it, like drinking and things of that nature. Yeah, It's here. It's here to stay. Believe it or not, it is here to stay, 
and so is you know tobacco and vaping's just another form of smoking because the the liquid's got nicotine in it. You can dial it up or dial it down. And and I I just want adults to be left alone. Now when it comes to kids, different story. Yeah. All right. I don't want companies out there trying to get kids to go out and illegally purchase this stuff. Um, you were talking about there's vape cafes. Yeah. I mean, there were cigar cafes just a few years back. You remember the one that was downtown cigar place that they had, yeah. had the big cigar outside. I used to say that was an homage to one of our former presidents. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they, you know, we let's let's crack down on the kids. I'm sorry, you know, yeah. if if they're seen with a vape, it should be confiscated. If it's at school, it should definitely be confiscated and followed up by some kind of punishment. Yeah, and I and I do think that's where Senator Hendren's uh, uh, mindset is. I think that's the goal is is the younger generation. I mean, look, you're right, adults. I mean, you have rights. Leave them alone. You get to choose. We get the education out there, and you have all the information. You get to choose what you want to do with it. Yeah. You know, but for our our younger generation, and and I'm talking like teenagers and those that are in high school and, you know, the first couple years of college, you know, there was legislation passed this previous session to raise the tobacco age limit to 21. Okay. Um, I had no problem with that. Sure. And, uh, And I think that it means the same thing with alcohol use. But what we're seeing in this, and this is where I think you know uh, Senator Hendren's focus is, is that we're seeing an epidemic among our our teenage population. That I believe in Arkansas, it's one in five kids are, are, are one smoking. One in four. It. One in four. So I mean, that's twenty five percent. Twenty five percent, and this is still fairly new. So it's growing. Uh, the the vape manufacturers are marketing it as cool and an alternative to to smoking, and you know some of the uh, gifs and things that are put out there on social media it's a party right it's fun you've got the the vape cafes or vaping lounges where you can come in and just hang out get on your phone vape you know go home that sort of thing the issue here is the education there's a couple things in my mind the education of it is these students have to understand we have to be able to tell our kids and it needs to start with the schools quite frankly because that's where these kids are going to go every day Uh, but it also parents have a responsibility or guardians have a responsibility to teach their kids about the ramifications and the harmful effects of vaping, especially yeah. at a young age. We're talking about kids. They're still forming. I mean, they're still growing. Their bodies are still uh, adapting. And so uh, I think that's a really big part of it to me. Yeah. Is the number I'm one. with you on that. Yeah. But and I know we're getting into the 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 and I'll, and I'll talk about the tax part of it. I think that when you, you cannot have a carve out for something that is nicotine, that is tobacco, when you have these taxes that are already on tobacco. Um, I think that's another part of it. You know, I know Senator Hendren has talked about using that additional revenue to go back to our to our, to our schools to help with you know the school safety commission report. You know, with facility security, um, you know, training armed personnel in the schools, uh, or you know, uh, uh, you know, hiring mental health counselors for our students. Those are all really good ideas, um, and so I appreciate where he's going with this. I just think we still have to continue to look at it and see what the best way to go about it is. Now, when you're talking about outlawing things, again, you have to be able to get the information and the data and find out exactly why these flavors and things like that are out there. Are they to market towards the younger generation, which I believe they are? Um, Should you just, again, just make it illegal until you're 21 years old? 
I believe so, and let adults make their own decisions. Sure, absolutely. But the epidemic is is our is our kids. That's the problem. And so we've got to get that education out there and quickly so these kids can know what this is actually doing to their bodies. Because in some reports, you're seeing that it's actually deteriorating the lungs faster than smoking cigarettes. And that's a scary and very dangerous uh, piece of science there uh, that we've we've got to pay attention to. We've got to educate our young folks. Uh, but again, it's it's you know I've always uh, sort of maintained the belief that you know anything done quickly is not necessarily good. I think you've got to be able to collect all the information, have the debates, and then come up with something uh, that has consensus that you can get to the legislature because it's going to affect a lot of people. It's going to affect small businesses. You've got to do it in a responsible way. All right. Let's take a break. Got to get our final break in. When we come back, our uh, final segment for today with J.R. Davis, the governor's spokesman here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. This is where you get to go green and save green. You know, that's my moniker. I'll go green when it saves me green. And it has done that for me in the last few years. I've uh, put uh, engines in from total loss vehicles into my Acadia, into another car that I have. I put a a transmission into my car, uh, my Acadia as well. And uh, all of them were EOM parts. They came right out of another, you know, Acadia. And they were in great running condition. Yeah, the car may have been totaled, but that just means you can't drive it around. doesn't mean the the engine doesn't work or the transmission doesn't work. And uh, R.D. and his friends, uh, his staff, test all of those parts, make sure everything works out for you. In fact, they'll even, uh, you know, do the labor for you and save you a whole lot of money. Uh, R.D. and uh, Sonny's Auto Salvage has saved me anywhere between five and $7,000 over the last couple of years. Now, five to $7,000 to you is like, you know, pocket change. I want your job. I'm just, I'm, but I'm just telling you that Sonny's Auto Salvage can save you a lot of money. All those parts come guaranteed and with a standard warranty. Call them. Use them. 982-7451, 982-7451. That's Sonny's Auto Salvage. All right, we're down to the last, uh, what we got left here? About 12 minutes, I guess, what I'm looking at. I'll find out for sure here. Let me bring my my special clock up here off of my phone. Yes, we got 12 minutes. R.D., uh, it, I mean, right now, in the in the governor's office and in, on the governor's side, and you're working close with him because you got to get the story out. What are his main um, prerogatives right now? I mean, is he really paying attention to this whole thing of changing state government, so to speak? Uh, yeah, absolutely. He's focused on transformation. Uh, that's a big part of of his uh, truly legacy. And how's it going thus far? It's going really well. We're we're now in the month of uh, middle of the month of September, so we're uh, just really three months into it, two right. and a half months. So uh, the agencies are working on reports, and they're all working on the same reports each month uh, with different subjects, you know, and and some of it's fleet management and. Uh, you know, personnel and things like that, that their contracts, leases, all that sort of stuff to say, okay, here's how we can save some money. 
or really the focus is how how can we make things run better for the people of Arkansas? You know, how can we be more efficient? How can we be more lean, still do the job? Uh, you know, not cut those vital services, essential services to people of Arkansas. So things are going really well right now. Um, I know that the uh, uh, Secretary of Transformation Shared Services, Amy Fetcher, will be uh, briefing ALC tomorrow morning on some of the transformation efforts. Um, and uh, and so right now we're we're still we're still trucking along. I think part of it you'll see is there was a story uh, a few weeks back about the Department of Commerce moving into a building over in Riverdale. Uh, that's really going to help cut some of those lease costs, get all those different departments into, or all those different divisions within the department into one building. I think that'll be really, really helpful uh, as time goes on and, and we identify that these positions aren't needed as these people leave for other jobs or retire. You know, we'll hold those positions and close them out. Um, and so those are the things it's going to be. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of movement once some of these reports are in and we start identifying on some of those key efficiencies and savings. Um, but I've been really, really impressed by our secretaries. Uh, they know what the governor wants. Uh, they, he's given him, given them the direction, and uh, and they're getting after it. So I think the people of Arkansas can be proud, and I think they can expect to see a lot more in the coming months. Okay, so uh, with these changes, with this kind of consolidation that's going on, and with uh, time, just attrition mm-hmm. that will happen, what about real estate? I mean, I'm sure that the the government of Arkansas owns more buildings than really what they need to own. Well, I think well, a, a big part of it is the lease leases. Uh, the state leases a lot of buildings and a lot of spaces and floors uh, for different departments and divisions. And I think that's where you're going to be able to see uh, probably the most savings initially as those leases run out. How can we as a state, does it make sense to build a building you know, that we can pay for and be done with? And, and, own pe- and own it and put people in it, um, maybe. Maybe the leases make sense in some cases. But that's really what we're looking at and paying attention to. Um, but I'll tell you this. The governor's had two cabinet meetings uh, since July 1, um, and you talk about productive. When you're able to sit 15 folks around and say, this is what I want you to do, it, it's great. Because then you expect, I mean, these are, these are secretaries talking to all the different division directors who we have an incredible, uh, incredible amount of talented division directors and of course, you know we could only name fifteen secretaries, but I think it's been really important uh, for the governor's managerial um, uh, abilities to sit around and have you know really straight up conversations with these fifteen secretaries and say, "This is what I want. Carry it out. Report back." Right, and that's been really really important. Um, but as far as the the cost savings and things like that, you're going to see it. You're going to notice it. We're in fact probably next week going to roll out. You'll actually start seeing it on social media, but we have. Uh, a new uh, sort of rebranding for state government. Um, so you'll start seeing some new logos from the different departments. Uh, you know, Parks and Tourism, for example, they have their logo. They'll keep it, but they'll obviously use the department seal as well. So that's exciting. You just start seeing some uniformity across the board. Mm-hmm. And the more people in Arkansas see that and they know that they can go to a landing page with the Department of uh, of Commerce, if they need to go to Workforce Services, they can see the link right there. It'll take them there. Um, and so it's just the familiarity, the education, letting people know it's out there. Um, and it really will, I think, uh, serve the folks of Arkansas really, really well as this continues uh, to progress. It's still early, um, so there's going to be hiccups here and there. We want people to let us know so we can fix them as quickly as possible. Um, but it's really exciting. And now, Dave, we have 15 uh, you know, communications 
secretaries, if you will, uh, for all the different departments. And so for me or Katie, when she gets here, to be able to sit down with these 15 communicators and say, here's our message. This is what we can get the people of Arkansas. What an incredible resource, right? That's just an awesome tool to have. Um, and so we're excited about that. There's going to be a lot of good opportunity there. And then you asked some of the other things the governor's concentrating yeah. on. He's headed to India. Um, and uh, Wow. Yeah. A uh, week after next, he'll go there on a, a trade mission. Um, and so he's always concentrating on, you know, where do we need to go next to market Arkansas and try to bring jobs back here. Um, and so tell him to get his stomach right. Right. Has he been to India before? You know, I don't know if he has or not. He needs to go over to Star of India and have lunch a few times over there, there and get himself prepared. The, the food's a little bit different. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know that A little he's, more spicy. Yeah. Well, he's excited about going over there and taking the message of Arkansas to uh, folk, to the companies and, and prospects in India. It's, uh, it's going to be really, really good. We've seen so much... Um, or we've heard so much great feedback. We've seen companies move over here. We talk about the the Czech Republic um, and uh, uh, CZ that that established its first North American manufacturing plant right here in Little Rock. Right. Those are the type of success stories we want, right? So the governor has, uh, I don't know how he has the energy to do what he does, um, but he is he's excited. He's going to go over there, push it. There's nothing better than having the face of Arkansas in front of you saying, we want your business. Come here. We'll help you. Let's do this. Where let's, are some of the places he's going, like Delhi and stuff like that? You know, I don't know all the places he's going to India yet. I know they're still finalizing a few of those things. Uh, they've got a lot cemented, uh, but they're still working on a few other things. Um, I think he'll have a trade mission to Asia uh, and to China, Japan later on um, this fall. So, I mean, he's he's uh, he's he's he hasn't st- – I say hit the ground running. That was our – that was our big campaign motto. No, right? He's it's, already on the he's, ground. He's been running. I mean, it's Forrest Gump. The guy hasn't stopped. So, I mean, we're uh, he's got the energy. He's going to keep pushing it. And uh, and I'm excited to see what his legacy is when it's all said and done because 90,000-plus uh, jobs have been created since he's been governor. We're at the lowest unemployment rate in our history. We've got $250 million in income taxes. We're leading the nation in computer science education, criminal justice reform, health care reform with a lot with the work requirements and things like that. It's very, very exciting, and so we've got three more years left, and I promise you he's not going to stop anytime soon. Yeah, he's still got a general session That's as right. well. That's right. To get some other things done. It'd be interesting to see exactly what uh, he's looking for coming uh, 2021. But I'll have to wait for Katie to tell me that. <laughs> That's right. We've been doing this for how long now? Man, a little over a year? Uh, you think it's just been a year? Has it been? It may be two years. I don't remember. I don't remember either. It's been... Uh, well, I guess I remember asking. Well, the I first was definitely time. around during the primaries. Yeah, and I think we've been almost at almost a year and a half, two years. Yeah, almost. we've been doing Crazy. it for a while, just I've trying to keep the information out and keep yep. it flowing. Uh, I got about a minute left with you, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again next Thursday. And if it's going to be your final Thursday, I'm going to have to order a cake, man. <laughs> you ever you ever I'll had a pe- you ever had a piece of ding dong cake? I did, I did did uh, your no was here. when I had my thing yeah, yeah. did you like it uh, I did but whew, I think I'll have stuff I'll bring a, a smaller one in. Okay. it won't be a, a huge sheet cake like they had here but I'll make sure we have okay. something for you well, to I have on that, here buddy. because you you have done I think a, a very good job at your job well, I appreciate you, that you've shown that you know you know you know what is expected from you from your boss. And you also know what's expected from you as far as journalists 
And then there's people like me, talk show hosts, <laughs> that you never know Which what to expect. Which is the most expect. fun part of it, man. <laughs> you I, never I know. Hey, Lee, man, I know i got one more show left. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed it. Really, uh, hopefully we can keep it going uh, we will. from time to time. But uh, I really have loved it, and, and uh, I think a lot of you, and it's been a lot of fun. See if we can get Katie on next week. Uh, she will be back the following Thursday. Oh, she is. She's got she's to move. moving. She's moving. And oh, everybody I, knows that's a headache. Is, so. is she? Is she, like, renting a U-Haul truck? Uh, I assume so. I don't oh, know how much. She, yeah, gosh. she's got to take it. She's got to bring it all I hate back. That. Oh, I'm telling you, the worst thing in life is moving. It really, it really, really is. is. If you got the money to pay for somebody else to load your worth stuff, it. Yes, worth it. Yes, it is absolutely worth oh. it. All right, well, let's right, go, buddy. brother. Thank, Thank you, you very much, Jr. Davis. He'll be back next Thursday. I'll be with you. Liz Harrington's coming up in the next hour. She's spokesman for the Republican Party. We'll talk with her. That's coming up. Plus, i got some thoughts about some of the news. We'll talk about that as well here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You know, you, you got to remember and keep in, in mind about uh, 9-11. Got to remember it. Absolutely must be on our, uh, our best uh, spy-type stuff. Or it's going to happen again. And remember this. Our, our federal agencies that are out there watching, you know, NSA... FBI, CIA, and all the rest of them. They've got to be right every time. Terrorists only got to be right one time. That's all. Just once. Here's uh, what you need to know about what I'm going to talk about. A scout for the Lebanese militant group Hezbollah. Now, when we talk about Hezbollah, who are we also talking about? Iran. They get their money from Iran, specifically. That's who funds them, Iran. So for everybody who wants to say, well, you know, uh, that attack on the Saudi Arabia uh, oil facility, yeah, maybe Iran had their fingers in it. Maybe they're the ones that gave... Uh, that group uh, over there in Africa, the drones that they flew through Kuwait 
they, they brought them in the, through the back door. That's what they did. Uh, and uh, U.S. folks are admitting they got caught with the pants down. They went back and looked, and they they've it's on radar. See it? So uh, just keep in mind that Iran is a provocateur over there, big time. So this Lebanese militant group from uh, Hezbollah targeted New York City, D.C., and Boston locations for attack, according to the prosecution. Alexei Saab, a naturalized U.S. citizen living in New Jersey, sent target photos to the Islamic Jihad organization, they're alleging. Saab, who's been in custody since July, allegedly joined Hezbollah in 1996. 1996, over 20 years ago. Can we say sleeper cell? And has extensive firearm and bomb-making training from these terrorist organizations. A scout for the militant group Hezbollah was looking at locations for attacks in New York, Boston, Washington, sending this target information back to the leadership in uh, Lebanon. Prosecutors said they unveiled uh, these charges, or they did unveil the charges in uh, Manhattan uh, today against Alexei Saab of Morristown, New Jersey, who has been in custody since July. The government alleges that Saab has been a Hezbollah member since 96. He's been taught how to handle firearms and how to make bombs. Among Saab's dozens of alleged New York City targets, prosecutors said, were the George Washington Bridge, the Statue of Liberty, the Empire State Building, Herald Square, and the local airports and tunnels. He also surveilled targets in Boston and Washington, including Fenway Park and the Washington Monument. Saab, who's 42 and a naturalized U.S. citizen since 2008, faces charges of providing material support to a foreign terrorist organization as well as a variety of conspiracy and other charges. A 33-page complaint that's been sealed since July 8th included a variety of photos of sensitive locations taken by Saab around the country, which prosecutors allege were gathered for the benefit of the Islamic Jihad Organization, or the um, IJO, Hezbollah's external terrorist arm. Quote, in particular, Saab focused on the structural weaknesses of locations he surveilled in order to determine how a future attack could cause the most destruction. That's according to Manhattan U.S. Attorney's Office. Though the complaint was just unveiled today, law enforcement executed search warrants on Saab's email accounts in April of 18 and began interviewing him as far back as March of this year. Here's the rest of the story you got to think about. This guy sent 
all kinds of photographs and information. Back to the uh, IJO, the Hezbollah. They've got all of this. The prosecutors got it as well. But it's already been sent to these terrorist organizations. So now they have got all of this information about, you know, where the soft underbelly is for us. You know, would Boston Red Sox play, Fenway Park, things of that nature. I mean, it's not like this is the only guy that is a sleeper cell type of guy. There's a bunch of them here. And, you know, this guy is naturalized. He came to the United States legally and became a United States citizen because these folks are playing the long game. And by the long game, I mean the long game. This guy's been in the country for over 20 years. They've been, they've been work. He's been working on stuff for a long, long time. I'm sure he's westernized totally. So he could get in a group of, you know, citizens because he is a citizen and uh, pass himself off of, I love this country and yada, 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 yada. Bottom line, not so much. It's what we all have to keep in mind, always. And I'm going to sound like a, maybe a, I don't know, a little bit like a conspiracist or a paranoid. But if you see something that doesn't look right in your everyday life, report it to the authorities. I mean, that's all you can do, but report it to the authorities. If if it's if it's setting off a a bell in your head, it's probably a reason. Just telling you, it, you may not even realize it may be something subconscious, but I'm just telling you, you know, if you see something that doesn't just this doesn't seem right, let them know. I mean, now you can. I'm, I'm not saying that anybody's here in Little Rock or whatever. But here's what I will tell you. There was a time when a terrorist was thinking about attacking Little Rock. Timothy McVeigh, Little Rock was his initial target. And he ended up going and bombing Oklahoma City five hours away from us. But he had evidently, you know, done his surveillance and everything else for here. So um, it's just something to think. Whenever you think you're you're not in danger, you're in danger. I'm just telling you. Whenever you get, you know, kind of fat, dumb, and happy, that's when they can slide the knife in, and we don't want that to happen. But it's important that you hear that this guy uh, was doing what he was doing. Again, let's go across the places that he was he was looking at. You see, he looked at locations for attacks in New York, Boston, and Washington. He sent that target information back to the leadership in Lebanon. So they got it. Federal prosecutors know that they got it. Uh, when they unveiled their charges in Manhattan, here's what they, they told us. Been here 
or he's been part of Hezbollah since 1996. They trained him in firearms and bomb-making training. He uh, targeted dozens of alleged New York City uh, places, prosecutors said, George Washington Bridge, Statue of Liberty, Empire State Building, Herald Square, and, of course, you know, JFK and LaGuardia and uh, Holland Tunnels and all of them. He also surveilled targets in Boston and Washington, including, now there's there's more than this, evidently. In the story, they just give us uh, two of them. Uh, Fenway Park and the Washington Monument. I mean, you, you put enough C4 on the Washington Monument, you probably topple it. I'm thinking, probably could do that. So he faces charges of providing material support to a foreign terrorist organization, as well as a variety of conspiracy and other charges. So here's my, my key again. Caught this guy. They were they were on it. They they something tipped them off, or they has they've got somebody working in the underpinnings of these people uh, that are doing this, and they got. Uh, the information, and now they got the information on this dude. But how many more are out there? That's why I'll tell you it's really important that we tighten up the borders. Not only on the southern border, but on the seaboards and even the northern border. We need the tight, we need as best as we can. Look, as humanly possible, we can't be. 100% on everybody, but we need to know where these folks are coming from and as much about these folks before we ever, ever let them get into our nation. Because I'm just telling you, bad things can happen and they can happen quickly. You fly very much, Zach? Have you ever flown? You've never flown. Okay. Well, after I tell you this story, you may never fly, ever. All right. A Delta Airlines pilot had to make a rapid controlled descent. Today, he got an alarm on an Atlanta flight. He descended nearly 30,000 feet. Now, controlled is... We're going to get down as fast as we can without ripping the wings off, basically. Delta told Channel 2 Action News that while flying to Fort Lauderdale last night, pilots learned of a depressurization issue. The pilots deployed uh, deployed the oxygen mass for the passengers and then made a controlled descent. Flight 2353 diverted to Tampa where it landed safely. Passengers described panic. You think you're going down 30,000 feet? I would, I look, I've flown thousands of times and I could tell you, I, my heart rate would go up on this as they grab for oxygen mask, air mask, the oxygen mask dropped from the top of the plane. Chaos sort of ensued among the passengers said one passenger uh, one of the flight attendants, I believe, grabbed the intercom and was just repeatedly repeating over the intercom 
do not panic, do not panic, but obviously it's a hectic moment. So the passengers around me, a lot of people were kind of hyperventilating, breathing really hard. Another passenger said he was so scared by what was happening, he told his family he loved them and hugged his son. Well, life is fragile-like. There was a scary 60 to 30,000 feet in somewhere between 60 and 90 seconds. Pretty doggone fast, folks. Where we really didn't know what was going on. At 15,000 feet in the air, it's a scary moment for sure when it all was over. Delta said the aircraft is being evaluated by maintenance technicians. Buses were used to take passengers to Fort Lauderdale from Tampa. Uh, Delta Airlines said it apologized to everyone on that plane. Said the plane diverted to Tampa out of an abundance of caution. Okay, so you're you're going to Fort Lauderdale. That's the other side of Florida. They landed in Tampa. Hey, Zach, come on up here to the ticket counter. We're going to fly you from uh, Tampa on over to Fort Lauderdale where you go, you're go. you going to. Uh, your flight will leave at X time or whatever. Here's your ticket. Now you got to walk in the airport, get to where the plane is, and then get back on a plane. Think you might be a little nervous? I think I would be. All right, we got some break here. 322. It's a Dave Ellswick show. Don't forget Liz Harrington from the uh, GOP is coming up. She's going to talk to us at about 345. We'll take our break uh, next half hour early so we can have her to take her up to uh, 4 o'clock. And we're going to talk about Kavanaugh with her. And I think, and I'm going to play that that cut from uh, Francis O'Rourke. You know him as Beto O'Rourke. I know him as Francis. Uh, and anyway, we're going to play his, would you, are you really talking about confiscating guns? And he says, yes. Then he tries to walk it back a little bit. We got more for you here on the Dave Ellswick show. All right. We've got 27 minutes after three. Don't forget coming up at a quarter till four. Liz Harrington will join us here, uh, on the Dave Ellswick show. We'll talk to her about, uh, the whole Kavanaugh hit piece that was done by the New York Times, as well as uh, we can talk to her about this big brouhaha, tempest in a teacup is what comes to mind, about this phone call that the president made to a woman. And nobody's telling anybody who he called, as though the president has to tell us everybody he calls. The White House by the way, has suspended the practice of publishing public summaries of President Donald Trump's phone calls with world leaders. Two sources with knowledge of the situation are telling CNN, bringing an end to a common exercise from Republican and Democratic administrations. They don't have to do this. They decided that uh, some of the presidents before decided that they would do it. It's unclear if the suspension is temporary or permanent. White House spokesman declined to comment. You know, official descriptions of the president's calls with foreign leaders termed readouts in Washington parlance offer administrations a chance to characterize in their own terms 
the diplomacy conducted at the highest levels between countries. While news is rarely contained in the rote, that means you don't hear everything, often dry descriptions they do offer the only official account that a phone call took place. You know what? I expect the president to be making calls to other world leaders. Do you do you feel that that's some kind of strange occurrence? I would find it strange if it wasn't an occurrence that was going on a lot. I hope he's calling them as much as he can and talking with them about what's going on in the world and you know what needs to be done. Do I need to know about every call? No, absolutely not. Now, if it, they're going to set up a meeting, then that's a different story. We should know that he's going to a meeting with a, a head of state. All right, news is next. Let's get to that right now. All right, Liz Harrington coming up at uh, 45. We'll take another break here in about five minutes here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show so we can get prepared for her joining us here a little bit uh, along the way and uh, be fun to talk to her about all of that. While I've got you here and we're talking, i got to find where did I, what did I do with my information. I have... Okay, what I've done is I put it in with all my other stuff here. So what I want to do, let's just play these back-to-back for you. Uh, Francis O'Rourke was uh, on with Como, and they were talking about uh, gun confiscation. All right, so uh, I think what we should do, play cut number two first, and then play cut number one. Let's just play them back to back. And here was Francis talking about gun confiscation. Are you, in fact, in favor of gun confiscation? Yes. When it comes to AR-15s and AK-47s, weapons designed for use on a military battlefield, the high-impact, high-velocity round that is fired from those weapons, when it hits your body, expends all of its kinetic energy, destroying everything that's inside. And I've met those who've survived uh, fire from an AK-47. I've met those who've lost a family member. That belongs on the battlefield, does not belong in this country. So when it comes to those weapons, Chris, the answer is yes. But when it comes to firearms used for hunting or self-defense, the answer is no. And I don't want you or anyone else to get into the fear-mongering that some have fallen prey to, saying that the government's going to come and take all of your guns. What we are talking about exclusively is weapons of war that have no place in our homes, no place on our streets, and should remain on the battlefield. I hear you. We'll talk law first and then politics. So you you listen to uh, a justice like Antonin Scalia, you know, not the most liberal justice um, who'd served on the Supreme Court, And even he found that there is no absolute guarantee under the Second Amendment and that the government does have a power to regulate those kinds of weapons that are extraordinarily unusual or deadly. And an an AR-15 or an AK-47 like the one used in El Paso, and I'm grateful that you came to El Paso and, and saw and met some of those victims for yourself. In under three minutes, 22 people were killed, dozens more 
grievously injured in, in three minutes because that's what that AK-47 was designed to do on Nobody will argue with you so, with the unique killing capabilities of these weapons. Well, of course, Kumo, you won't argue with him. You're a liberal, all right, a lefty, all right? You're not going to argue with that. I'll argue with what some of the things that he just said. It releases its kinetic energy and destroys the body and, uh, you know, kills people. I should take Francis out hunting with me. And I'll let him look through the scope of my 308, my Savage 308, when I shoot a deer. And when the bullet hits the deer, you can see it go all the way through the the body of the deer. Not the bullet going through the deer. I'm talking about the impact on that deer. All bullets do that, dummy. Have we lost in our minds the common sense to understand that the reason I don't I don't have a gun in my house because it looks pretty and I want to show it to people when they come over. In fact, I got guns in several different areas in my house for easy access. I have those guns if I need to protect myself or my family. And guess what? Guns kill people. If you shoot somebody with a gun, it will kill them. Doesn't matter if it's an AR-15. Doesn't matter if it's an AK-47. And for you who think, yeah, but you can do it faster with an AR-15, BS. If I have a uh, semi-automatic 40 cal there in my house, 15-round uh, clip in it, I can empty that clip in a very quick matter of time and drop the clip, put a new one in in a matter of moments and resume shooting again. So when I listen to Francis O'Rourke talk, I hear a man who has no idea, does not understand what guns are all about in the first place. I wonder how many of these people have actually gone out and shot a gun. And understood those guns. I doubt very few of them. I think that's a question should be asked of Francis O'Rourke. I'm not talking about coming and getting your gun if you're going hunting. Hunting. Well, my hunting rifle can kill somebody just as well as an AR-15 can. Why not? Just the most ignorant arguments that I've ever heard. How long is this break? Four minutes? I need to do it right now then. All right. Got to get to the break. I won't, I, I won't belabor this point. Just know Francis O'Rourke is talking out his butt. It's like watching Ace Ventura, and it's Mr. Butt, right? AR-15 to kill you. All right. I'm just telling you. All right. A break on the Dave Ellswick Show. Not any kind of talk. Liz Harrington, it's stimulating talk here on the Dave Ellswick Show. How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. It's always a pleasure to have you join us here in Little Rock, 
I want to talk to you about Kavanaugh. Do you think this is blown over now? Is, are we done with this insanity? Uh, I hope so. But, you know, we're never going to be done with the, the new lows that the Democrats and the media reach. I mean, we thought this was over a year ago. Yeah. And yet here they are smearing an innocent man yet again, just running his uh, reputation through the mud. It's it's really appalling uh, when you look at what they've what they've done here and to have Democrats running for president don't care uh, about the fact that the New York Times had to correct its story. They don't care about the truth. They don't care the, uh, that there's no evidence whatsoever, that there's no, in fact, new victim here. Uh, the woman said it, said it didn't go f- come forward and said it never happened. And right. yet they don't care. They will smear this man again and call for his removal from the bench because they're trying to intimidate and they're trying to discredit the Supreme Court uh, where their side has been losing a lot lately. It's absolutely shameful. So do you think this is a well-planned and coordinated attack so that when the president and and I, I think he's going to be president for another four years, if he is, I think he'll at least name one more justice, maybe two. Uh, that uh, they want to try to intimidate those people that are that the president comes to and says, I'd like you to be my nominee. I think that is a strategy that we've seen since uh, Robert Bork, right? I mean, this is what the Democrats have been doing, and they've done it successfully in that case, and they tried to do it to Clarence Thomas, and they tried to do it here. What's most frightening to me is that this was a nomination to replace a swing vote, uh, Justice Kennedy. Uh, This is a nominee who wasn't, you know, was kind of a middle of the road as well, kind of in the vein of a a Chief Justice Roberts. This wasn't a, you know, strict, strict originalist. Uh, I I have a tremendous amount of uh, respect for Brett Kavanaugh. I think he's an incredible jurist. But what are the Democrats going to do to someone to replace one of the liberal lock uh, oh, justices on the Supreme Court. I mean, that's what's frightening. But the, the reason why this is so important and the reason why we have to really push back on these smears and this horrible injustice, and I think we do have a lot of members in the conservative media now that are they're doing an incredible job of doing that, is because we cannot allow ourselves to be intimidated. We cannot allow good men and women to uh, not want to serve or not want their name thrown uh, in in their hat in the ring because um, their name in the ring because uh, of these this intimidation tactics and the mm-hmm. smears and the lies and what they do to you we can't afford that to happen but what's so amazing now is that we have a president in the White House who does not accept the left's premise will fight for his nominees will fight for the truth will stand up to the injustice I mean. This was such a railroad operation. It was such a corrupt political hit job, and people saw through it. They see it through it now, and it's just – it's encouraging to me that we now finally have a strong voice in the White House that will stand up for what's right when this happens. And it will inevitably happen again because this is what the left does, and that's why we have to defeat them. They cannot get power again because they will abuse it. Well, i got to tell you what. I'm – I watched uh, Nadler and his crew uh, the other day 
try to get these, quote, impeachment hearings going. They don't want to use the I word, but it is an impeachment hearing. The bottom line is Lewandowski made them look stupid. It was wonderful what he did to them. I, I, I gave him all the credit in the world. I mean... Pull, show me uh, Mueller's report. What page are you getting that from? And <laughs> they actually had the report, found the page, and went over and showed it to him. And Lewandowski just kind of glanced at it. He didn't care. I mean, <laughs> I loved it. I loved every moment of it. Right. And it's great because we shouldn't why, – why should we have to, you know, accept their premise and abide by their rules. I mean, it's absolutely absurd. We spent $32 million, two years, lives were ruined, people were sent to jail uh, over a hoax, over a complete lie and a smear. And it's the same tactics that they're using against Kavanaugh. There's so many parallels to the complete sabotage of what the Obama administration did to the Trump campaign and the Trump transition team. Mm -hmm. Salacious, unverified, from a bias source. Uh, In the Kavanaugh case, it was a Clinton attorney who was pitted against him during Whitewater. Uh, Completely biased. He's been against Kavanaugh for decades. And yet they use it anyway, and they wreak havoc, and they inflict damage on the country. It's no more. We cannot allow this to happen again. And I'm seeing even more parallels now the more I even think about this throughout this week. They use the word credible, just like they use the word collusion. Both words have no legal basis, no legal meaning, no standard in a court of law, because that's not the intent, because that would actually require evidence. It would require facts. It would require a standard to hold up of actual wrongdoing. And that's why in the Mueller report, well, they they didn't actually charge the president with any crime. They were unable to because there was no crime. But th- that right. was not the intention. The intention is innuendo and smears and, and just to, to muddy the waters and to have this cloud of, you know, supposed corruption or wrongdoing. And that's what they tried to do to President Trump to damage him politically. And that's what they're doing to Brett Kavanaugh as well. And it's just that says everything you need to know. It's lawlessness. It couldn't stand up in the court of law because it's it, it's not true. There's no evidence. And Democrats, they've just thrown out the window. They don't care. They just want to hurt you politically to, to enact their radical left-wing agenda. It's absolutely sickening. Yeah, the one that has gotten me, Liz, is obstruction of justice. You know, the, they keep bringing that up with the president. And now, before they talk about the president, to say, now, remember... When Nixon left, it was because of obstruction of justice. Apples and oranges here. I mean, it's apples and oranges. I lived through all of that. That is, there is Mm -hmm. no validity in their argument at all, and nobody uh, in the press points that out. Exactly. All that President Trump did was defend himself from being falsely accused. And he's been when you read that Mueller report, which was so biased, it was all these Democrats who were desperate to get anything they could on President Trump. They came up short. When you read it, you know, the one thing that's so consistent is President Trump. All of his 
tweets, his statements. He's been so consistent because you know why? He was telling the truth. There was no nothing to do with Russia. It was a giant lie. It was a giant smear. And he said it over and over again. And he told it loudly to anyone who would listen, whether it was publicly or privately. That's all he did. He did nothing to actually inhibit this investigation. He just wanted to be treated fairly because it was the most unfair process. It was the most absurd. The, the fact that there was even a special counsel uh, appointed for something that the president had every right to do and that everyone at a certain point in time in Washington has wanted him to do, fire Jim Comey. Right. There was never a reason for this. It was all designed to entrap him and to try to trip him up into making a false statement. I mean, that's what this was about. And they didn't, they failed to get him. And so that's why now Congress is so desperate. They're holding these sham hearings because they, they still have nothing. nothing. The facts have not changed. But, you know, the only new information we ever get on this Russia story is what the Obama administration was doing. Yeah. What Jim Comey, what Jim Clapper, what John Brennan, what all of these cabal of anti-Trump zealots were abusing their power. And again, I can't say it strongly enough. It's just like the Kavanaugh smear. It's exactly what happened in the, in the collusion hoax as well. They abuse their power. They go after you. They weaponize law enforcement, the most powerful law enforcement agencies in the intelligence community against you. And they'll stop at nothing. And we just cannot afford that again. It's already cost this country dearly. And yet the president has done such an incredible job amidst this unprecedented hostility and from within his own government and sabotage. And yet he's in, he's accomplished so much. Republican agenda is being implemented. The economy is so strong. We've got more to do and we cannot we cannot throw it away to let these these power hungry Democrats back in power. It's absolutely imperative that we win next year. Uh, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. Last question: We got sixty seconds, and that is this: Whoever the nominee is for the Democrats, surely they understand the things that they have been saying from stage in these uh, these debates is not going to play with the major electorate. Medicare for all, free college. Uh, student loans going to be taken care of, re- reparations, and on and on, trillions upon trillions upon trillions of dollars. How do they walk it back, or can they? Have they gone too far? Have they walked off the plank? They can't walk it back. I mean, you have the quote-unquote moderates in this race that are saying we have to ban fracking. Natural gas, which has been such a boon for this economy, for energy independence, lifeblood uh, of our way of life. That's the moderates, Joe Biden, John Delaney, all these Mm -hmm. so-called moderates are saying it. So, no, they can't take it back. They are so blinded in their animosity towards this president and their refusal to accept the reasons why he won in 2016. They're so blinded by that that they're doubling down on the radical proposals that they've believed for a long time, but they're just being way more open in saying it. And it's it's a, it's truly incredible to see. It would absolutely destroy this economy. They want to rip up our Constitution, Second Amendment. They're coming for our guns. They're coming for our cows. They're coming for our cars. Everything <laughs> about our way of life. But, you know, it's funny, but it's literally what they're saying. Yes, and it's it kind is. of astounding to hear them say it. And yet, you can't walk that back. And any whoever's nominated is going to have to deal with that reality that 
you know, you're running for president of the United States of America, not Venezuela, not the Soviet Union, not in Europe somewhere, America. And socialism is not going to fly here. I agree with you, Liz. Thanks so much for your time. It's always a pleasure to have you here on the show. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye-bye now. Liz Harrington here on the Dave Ellswick Show. She is really good. I mean, she can take uh, any topic that I want to talk about and say in 60 seconds, succinctly, what the main points are. She's really, really, really good. All right, let's get a break in. we got some folks coming in with us in the next hour dealing with the uh, angel folks. These are people who have lost loved ones to illegal um, immigrants. And uh, we will talk to them about a special event that's coming up this weekend here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, moving to the 4 o'clock hour, of course, in the 5 o'clock hour, uh, a repeat of our interview with uh, J.R. Davis. Some, if, if you're wondering about what's going to happen here in the state about vaping and things of that nature, you'll definitely want to listen because uh, we have a long, extended conversation about that. But right now, uh, coming up this weekend, uh, there's going to be a meeting at the Whole Hog uh, Barbecue Restaurant about uh, angel moms and about illegal immigration and about the border wall and why do we need the wall. Let me tell you what, the folks, these angel moms, important people that we need to hear from. The, the press has not done them justice. And uh, an angel mom is a mom who lost a child to an illegal immigrant, somebody who was in this country illegally and, uh, you know, was driving drunk and killed their child or, you know, murdered their, their child or whatever. So uh, angel mom Mendoza is going to join us. And how are you today? I understand you guys are up in Tulsa. Is that right? That's right. We have an event going on in Tulsa tonight at 7. We just came from Amarillo, Texas, and we'll be in Little Rock tomorrow night at 6 at the Whole Hog um, Barbecue. So we're very excited to get out and spread our message and, and tell people why we're fighting the fight that we're fighting. Well, first of all, why don't you explain to them your own personal story first? And then we'll go from there. My son, Sergeant Brandon Mendoza, was with the Mesa, Arizona Police Department. And um, on May 12, 2014, he was on his way home from work and a repeat illegal alien criminal who was high on meth, three times the legal limit drunk, um, had driven over 35 miles the wrong way, and he ended up slamming head-on into my son going mm. over 100 miles an hour. Oh, my God. Right. Oh, my. And, and that just catapulted me into this fight because I started finding so much out as I started in, you know, researching this. The amount of crimes they're committing, the amount of Americans that are affected, you know, over 4,300 Americans are killed every year by illegal alien criminals in our country, and hundreds of thousands are affected by rape, assault, identity theft, um, you know, the list just goes on and on and on. So, um, Ms. Mendoza, let me ask this question. Why do you think that the media tends to ignore you all? 
Um, I don't think that they really want the truth getting out to our fellow Americans of the magnitude of what, what's going on. And um, it's very important for our uh, fellow Americans to know this. There's nothing that, that myself or Angel Dad, Steve Ronabek, who's on this uh, cross-country tour with me, there's nothing we can say or do that will bring our children back, but there's plenty that we are, can say or do that will prevent this from happening to our fellow Americans. And that's what this is all about. This is what we fight for. Okay, so how, how has the turnout been thus far? It's been awesome. And, in fact, we were at a VFW in Amarillo, Texas last night, and they're asking us to return on our trip home um, because they want to get more members and community, uh, people from their community in there because they said, my gosh, the, the information you've shared with us is, a, is just overwhelming. And more people need to hear this. Um, we've, got, we've got so many statistics about the drugs and about people affected by crimes and the aftermath of the angel families and what our judicial system is doing to angel families and the favoritism that's shown to illegal alien criminals in our country. The list goes on and on and on. And people really need to hear this information because you will not hear it from the mainstream media the average American doesn't have time to research the way that we do, and that is why we are bringing our voices across America, to bring you the information you need to, to hear and that you will be glad that you've heard. Yeah, I, I can't remember the, the lady's name. We have several angel family uh, moms here in, in the state of Arkansas. She's from down in the, the more the southern part of Arkansas. I've had her on my show at CPAC. I've had her on my show, Hold Your Feet to the Fire, here on my my show as well here in in little rock and and we've talked about this a bunch of times and i always put out a little press release saying that she you know that she was going to be on i've not had one tv crew or one newspaper reporter show up to talk to her and it it just boggles my mind yeah it boggles our mind too and you know, it's almost like, you know, in years past, they used to, the illegals would always say, we're, we have to live in the shadows. We, you know, we need to be able to speak out. And of course, now look at what our politicians have done. They've given them a voice. They've given them a platform and they're actually fighting for them. And they've shoved angel families, their fellow American victims into the shadows. And they don't want to hear from us. Incredible. So what? Yeah. And these illegal criminals who've been charged with with crimes, and even those that have just been separated at the border for a few weeks from their children are suing our government. But Angel Families doesn't have any ways to sue the federal government for their, you know, for, un, for not following the laws and protecting their, their, the American citizens. We have no way of suing them the way that these illegals have got a platform and all of these pro-illegal organizations operating under a 501c3 not tax-exempt um, guise. Um, you know, they're actually aiding and abetting illegal alien criminals in our country. Yeah, they, that's exactly right. Those are We're talking about criminals here. We're not talking about citizens. We're talking about people who came into our country illegally and are killing our, our citizens that we have here in our, in our nation, and, and, and nobody's doing enough to stop it. When, when, when your son was killed, how, how did the state, respond to it how did the the legal people respond to it um it's 
you know, they were trying to shield me from the fact that it was an illegal alien criminal. But at the time, Jeff Flake and John McCain were our senators. I never heard from either of them. Um, and my son was a police officer. Um, I did hear from Steve King from Iowa and a few other um, um, politicians, but it was pretty sad in the state of Arizona. The biggest, the biggest support I've had from Arizona is the community because of the difference that my son made in the community. He was a modern-day beat cop, and I found out the most humbling things that my son was doing that I wasn't even aware of for children in the community, mentoring kids at the Boys and Girls Club and providing a Thanksgiving dinner annually. I was helping him with that every year. Um, for the less fortunate, buying Christmas gifts for children whose parents couldn't afford it. He had already purchased three bikes for some grandchildren that their grandparents were raising them. Already in May when he was killed, he had already purchased three bikes to give them at Christmas. And, um, you know, would go down on his days off in the park, play football, kickball with these kids, buy ice cream and, and pizza, and mentor them of the importance of getting an education and staying out of gangs and not being on drugs. And so many children came up to me and said, I'm going to be a police officer just like your son. And, you know, teenagers said, your son has made a difference in my life. I mean, I was overwhelmed with what I heard about what my son was doing. So that's where I get the most support and, um, you know, people constantly letting me know what he did for them. Well, that, that, that's got to warm your heart, but it still doesn't bring back your son because an illegal alien killed him high on meth. I mean, he was doing 100 miles an hour going the wrong way on the highway. Right. Unbelievable. So I'm, I'm going right. to assume that you, you stand firmly with the president about the wall and about uh, getting the southern border under control. 100%. I'm on the advisory board for We Build the Wall, which Brian Colbaz started. And, um, you know, American citizens came forward and donated to his GoFundMe. We've already built almost a mile of uh, wall down in Sunland Park, and we are getting ready for our second project. What We Build the Wall specializes in is going in and filling in the gap of the existing government wall because there are certain areas like going up the side of the mountain with a 30% grade that they said we can't build a wall there. Well, We Build the Wall built the wall there. And, um, <laughs> they yeah. can't do it, but um, you can. Exactly. Fisher Industries out of Coolidge, Arizona, um, teamed up with We Build the Wall, and Tommy Fisher is amazing. Has a, his steel is 80-year grade steel that he uses for his ballot fencing, whereas the contractors that the government um, uses is 20-year grade steel. And Tommy Fisher puts in a paved road for Border Patrol lighting, sensors underground, which detects walking, digging, driving. It's a superior product. And guess what, folks? It's 50% of the cost of what the government is paying the contractors that they've hired. Yeah, there's a lot of things that go into uh, when they they pick their contractors. There's so much rigmarole and government double speak in those contracts that I'm surprised we get anything done half the time. So, yeah. what what is uh, again? We're talking uh, to Mother Angel Mother Mendoza here. Uh, what is the number one thing that most or the average American does not understand and they need to get a grip on the amount of crime that illegal aliens uh, commit in our country you know when you think about 9-11 and you know almost 3,000 people were killed on that day it was a horrific day in history of, of, in America 
but over 4,300 Americans are killed annually. Every single year, it's repeated, and nobody blinks an eye about it. Um, and like I said earlier, hundreds of thousands of your fellow Americans are affected. There's a rape epidemic in North Carolina. 8,500 children have been raped by illegal aliens in the last four years, and the numbers keep rising. Um, and then you have, you know, Sheriff McFadden that comes into to North Carolina and immediately starts implementing sanctuary policies. This is protecting illegal alien criminals. In the state of Arizona up until a few years ago, um, an illegal alien criminal had to serve 50% of a sentence, and an Arizona citizen had to serve 85% of their sentence for the same crime. And this is where, you know, Governor Ducey changed that, but there's still many, many states across this country that only make an illegal alien criminal serve 50% of their time. They leave jail. They're not, they're not uh, deported because a lot of these cities and counties are not cooperating with ICE. These people walk right back out into our communities. They make sure they find a sanctuary city or state to go to because they know our politicians and our elected officials are fighting for them. What other country can we break into illegally, have a politician fight and put laws in place to protect you, and then you commit a crime against a citizen of that country, and then you have a place of sanctuary to go to, to to protect you from their laws? There's no other country in this world that does this, folks, but America does. Yeah. Yeah, we we try to to move along our, our own destruction, don't we? Yes. And these are the types of things that we're trying to bring awareness to because I understand the average American. If you're not affected by illegal alien crime, you may read an article about somebody being killed and you think, oh, my gosh, another one. And then your lunch break is over at work and you've got to get back to work. Until you're personally affected, I get it. You know, you're not going to put 100% of your time like I do into this. But heed our warnings because it's no longer a matter of if you're going to be affected by illegal alien crime. It's a matter of when. We've had over 800,000 illegal aliens cross our southern border this year. Who've been apprehended? And, you know, they say one in three are apprehended. If that's truly the case, folks, it's three times 800,000 who've come into our country this year. Yeah, and if they're apprehended, do they hold on to them or do they just catch and release, so to speak? Exactly. And, and, and I want to remind your listeners, really, Every single American is affected by illegal alien crime. You want to know why? Because we are forced to pay that $186 billion year or bill annually that it costs this country to support illegal aliens here. You don't have a say in it. You can't vote on it. They are stealing that money from any and every program they can to support these illegal aliens. But they, they put up a fuss about our president, you know, redistributing some money from the Pentagon because this is a national emergency, a national crisis, to get this fence built on the, wall, on the border. He's asking for $25 billion, a one-time payment, to seal the borders on the southern part of our country versus $186 billion a year supporting them and growing as more and more of them come here. It's Finance 101, folks. We've got idiots in, in D.C. who don't understand, you know, Finance 101. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right about that. Well, let's talk about what's going to happen tomorrow night. You're going to all are going to travel from Tulsa all the way here to Little Rock uh, tomorrow. 
so that you can present all of these facts for people and people can talk to you face to face and and get this information. You're going to be over at the Whole Hog uh, Cafe. You're, are you going to be at the one on Bowman and Markham or the one down on Cantrell? Cantrell. Okay, down on Cantrell. Okay, so over there by Riverdale 10, one of my favorite places mm-hmm. to eat. Uh, and nice. uh, so you start at 6, and uh, how long are you expecting to go? We speak uh, right around 40 to 45 minutes, the two of us. And then we always stick around and answer questions for people. I mean, the, the last two stops that we had, the you know, the, the questions and answer time was probably an additional hour because people are just, in, you know, they're, they can't even believe the information they're gathering and they want to ask more questions about it and become informed. Of course. Of course. There's a lot yeah. about this. People uh, don't know about this. They do know some. I've, I've been fighting this uh, cause for a long time. I've been... I work with FAIR in, in uh, Washington, D.C. I go to hold their feet to the fire, and uh, I won't be there this year, but I've been there for the last, previous 10 years, and uh, bringing this, this information to people's uh, attention, it, it just amazes me how people don't think it's a big deal, and it is a huge deal. Yeah, and that our, our road trip actually ends up in D.C., at feet to the fire so oh great um, you know yeah tell, we tell end bob up, we, dane i said rock. hi i will we're in little rock and then we go to nashville on saturday and then we go to Asheville, north carolina and then we'll end up in richmond virginia and then we we head into dc so um you know this is we did, we just felt it was important not to fly to dc to drive across middle america and bring this message to you folks so please come down and listen to what we have to say and Absolutely. And I'm sure that you will feel that it was a lot, uh, a good time, you know, a good way to spend your time tomorrow evening. I agree. Get yourself educated, as we like to say. And uh, we appreciate yeah. your, your time. Angel Mom Mendoza, uh, Angel folks are going across the United States. They'll be here tomorrow night, 6 o'clock. Then they'll make their way across the rest of the United States up to Washington, D.C. for hold their feet to the fire. And, uh, that's always a great, uh, great uh, time, and they're going to have more talk show hosts there this year, uh, Miss Mendoza, than they've ever had. That's how hot this topic is still. I believe it. I mean, I've, I've got like 13 interviews on Thursday alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, you enjoy yourself. Tell Lars Larson and all the guys there that Dave Ellswick said hello, all right? I will, and thank you for having me on, Dave. No I problem. appreciate it. Thank you very much. All, All right. right. So tomorrow, tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, and that will be happening at uh, the Whole Hog Cafe on Cantrell over by Riverdale 10. Uh, go over and have yourself some ribs. Have what I like. Have some of that barbecue sausage. I love that sausage. But the number one, have you been to Whole Hog? Dude, next week I'm taking you to Whole Hog. All right? Lunch on me at Whole Hog. You like barbecue? Oh, dude. Now, you've eaten at Sims, right? Okay. I love Sims. I love Whole Hog. You like tater salad, as we say down here in the South? I bet you'll like this tater salad, all right? You don't like potato salad, Zach. They've got, I think, the best potato salad that I've ever tasted. 
I'll buy it. Since I'm buying, you don't have to worry about wasting your money. And the baked beans are incredible. All right, so next week, lunch on me over at Hohog. All right, 6 o'clock tomorrow night, the Angel Moms at Hohog Cafe on Cantrell. Be there and learn some things that you probably didn't know. All right, back with you. We've got uh, about 24 minutes left here live. Uh, you get in the next hour, uh, J.R. Davis, the interview I did at uh, 2 o'clock with him. Very interesting interview. Uh, you'll you'll hear those cuts from Francis O'Rourke. He calls himself Beto. It is Francis. This is his middle name. Francis O'Rourke. Uh, Robert Francis O'Rourke is his name. Uh, Democratic presidential candidate Andrew Yang. And by the way, make a big deal out of him today. Did you see that uh, he had about 20 people show up for some kind of campaign thing? And he, they were playing some music, and he was busting a move to it. You know, he's dancing, trying to look smooth. I guess trying to, trying to um, get in touch with his inner Obama. Remember when... Obama was singing, let's get together. You know, that, the whole thing, yeah. And and all the women were swooning over it. Come on, man. The presidency is a whole lot more important than dancing and being able to sing a song. I mean, if, if dancing is really important, why don't they have a special edition of Dancing with the Stars? Let's see how well they all do. I want to see Bernie Sanders out there. See if he can dance like that and not have uh, a coronary right there on the floor or whatever. I'd love to see Biden. Oh, man, he'd be stepping all over that woman's toes. Anyway, Democratic presidential candidate Andrew Yang said the United States, I want you to listen closely to this, Zach. They want to take your guns. They want to take your health insurance. That's what Medicare for all is all about. They're going to get rid of health insurance. Uh, They're going to, you know, take away all of uh, the money that you owe on, on uh, your uh, college loans. Uh, If Sanders has his way, he's going to build 7.5 million uh, homes to give to homeless people. Yang said today, the United States may have to eliminate private car ownership to be able to combat climate change. Now, he said this today. Uh, MSNBC had that climate forum at Georgetown University this morning. Well, he was there. He told the host uh, that, quote, we might not own our own cars unquote, by 2050, so that we can get the United States weaned off of fossil fuels, describing private car ownership as, quote, really inefficient and bad for the environment, unquote. So now they're coming for your cars. You know what his idea is? You ready for this one? He thinks they should have this, like, swarm of electric cars traveling around all the time. And when you want to go somewhere, you just kind of, like, 
I guess hit an app on your phone and the car shows up. Sounds good until you start thinking about what it's going to take to try to implement something like that. Do you think that they're going to have that in some place out in the middle of Wyoming? How long do you think it take an electric car to get out someplace in Wyoming to take you somewhere that you need to get to? Or Montana? Or Nevada? Or Texas? Or even Arkansas? You know, out in the middle of, uh, you know, the hills out there. They're go- How many electric cars are supposed to be swarming around the United States to take care of 330 million people? This is crazy. This is insanity, is what it is. It is insanity. But that's uh, exactly what uh, Andrew Yang said. We uh, need to take action on climate change, and the way to do that is to make sure that people don't own their own cars. And by the way, he says by 2050, according to the, his challengers, uh, the world will be toast by 2050. Won't matter what we do by 2050. There's, there'll be no way to turn it back. Armageddon just around the corner. All the times that they've called Armageddon all the time. So let me let me tell you where they saw this at. A video was posted by the GOP war room. They're paying attention. I I'm going to give. It's just like we were talking in the first hour when I and you'll hear this next hour if you listen to the repeat of my discussion with Jr. To make commercials to show what the Democrats want to do to America, it is a as in the military the way we say it a target rich environment. I mean a target rich environment. So, you know, quote, you have this ability to envision the future right with your proposals on universal basic income. And that's that's another one to those ideas that are there. everybody, you know, Gene Roddenberry should have lived longer so that he could have seen all the things that he thought should happen that he had in Star Trek that nobody paid attention to. Evidently, they had a basic income in star trek if you watched it because did you ever see anybody ever get a paycheck did you ever hear about anybody ever having being paid for anything or did they just walk around and everything was given to them right that's the way it worked you've played the whole chess game out and you see what it looks like on the other end play the chess game out on climate change what does the world look like to you in 2050 well, this dummy who's doing this climate change thing, don't you get caught up with the news here, bud. The Democrats says, you know, AOC and all of them say it ain't going to matter in 2050. We've got what, depending on who you talk to, 8 to 12 years left. That's well short of 2050. Well short of it, like 22 years or something if you go on the long end of it. What physically do you think we will do differently than we do today that will result in us fighting climate change? Quote, well, I mentioned 
before that we might not own our own cars. Our current car ownership and usage model is really inefficient and bad for the environment. You guys will all probably agree with this because you're quite young. He told the uh, Georgetown University crowd, adding an anecdote about driving the 1985 Honda Accord as a young man. Yang then proposed an alternative to individuals owning their own cars. But what we're really seeing is not the car, it's a mobility. So if you have mobility, that's then tied into a much more if you had like, for example, just off the top of my head talking here, uh, if you had like uh, this constant roving fleet of electric cars that you would just order up, Yes, I know it sounds stupid, and it is. But this is one of their candidates saying this. Then you could diminish the impact of ground transportation on our environment very, very quickly. Yang's climate plan calls for nearly $5 trillion in spending over the next 20 years. His proposal includes embracing the impacts of climate change. Well, move our people to higher ground. Man, if I knew he said that right now, I'd had Zach start playing Stevie Wonder. And we'd be singing Higher Ground with Stevie Wonder. That's a great song. Natural disasters and other effects of climate change are already causing damage and death. We need to adapt our country to this new reality. The plan also includes a zero emission standard for all new cars by 2030, and hundreds of billions of dollars in investments in emission-free ground and air transportation. Yeah, I want to see them fly a plane without, you know, some carbon coming out of it. It ain't going to happen. Yang enjoyed a recent polling bump and is now in fourth place in the California primary ahead of formerly top-tier candidate Harris. Must have been the crowd surfing, he tweeted. (sighs) All right. So now, get rid of your car. They're going to have a roll. Does anybody ask these people questions about, like, how many electric cars do we need to be roving in the United States so that anybody who needs a ride at any given time that they want to go somewhere that one of these cars will be available to them. I mean, the average uh, time that uh, a millennial now can concentrate, they say, and uh, they just they want, you know, like instantaneous reaction time, six seconds. You think you can get a response on this roving band of electric cars within six seconds? Before all the millennials storm the Bastille and burn down Washington, D.C. I mean, it's it's just incredibly, I'd like to say it's naive, but you got to be beyond naive to propose this kind of ignorance. But here's the scary part. There's a whole lot of people out there that are buying it hook, line, and sinker because... They're not thinking like you and I do about how do you make it work? 
Well, that sounds great. That's a big old, you know, you know, a hive of electric cars going around on the, in the United States and giving people rides whenever they need it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll take a break. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Got the rest of it for you today when we return. You know, Zach, I always tell you, now I've seen it all. And then I got to come back and correct myself and say, no, I haven't. (laughs) I haven't seen it all. Uh, They had a climate uh, symposium or I don't know, some study or something going on at the House Foreign Affairs Committee. And there's this person sitting there testifying. And I'm not kidding you. This is over top of them, okay? And it says, Trans-Lantinix Climate Activist. In other words, a transsexual Latino climate activist. Why does that matter? If you're transgender, do you do you suddenly have some kind of insight into climate change that a cisgender person doesn't? Come on, I'm trying to I'm trying to get with it here. All right, I mean you don't say I'm trying to get jiggy with it anymore because that would tell everybody that you're out of touch. But you know, bottom line, you know, if you're cisgender and you say you're a climate, I'm a climate activist. They don't care. But if you're a transgender Latino climate activist, they are very, very, very interested in what you have to say. I don't get it, but it is what it is. So I I held this for the very end of today's show. Russ, come in here and sit down in front of the microphone just for a second. He's, he's telling me to hold on. This is live radio, son. <laughs> I, you can't be telling me just, excuse me, uh, drive down the road, just hold on a second. We'll talk in a second here. Anyway, MB, <laughs> I got to ask this question of you. This is an important question. Turn his mic on over here. You see where he's sitting at. All right. What? NBC News is Losers. asking Americans now to confess their climate change sins. Even those who care deeply about the planet's future can slip up now and then. Tell us, where do you fall short in preventing climate change? So fess up, brother. Where have you fallen short? I gave up a long time ago. Look, I, I respect I respect nature. I've, I grew up respecting nature. I've got no issue with nature, and you know, we we live in a in a society that has grown and and has uh, done so much that I don't know where to begin with climate change anymore because the stuff that these people are talking about is ridiculous. Well, you missed it. I was just talking about Yang. You know, that's running for president. Today, he said, for us to get rid of fossil fuels, we got to get rid of cars. Everybody's going to have to give up their car. And here's what, they're, what he's saying they're going to replace it with. 
they're going <laughs> to they're going to have a bunch of electric cars driving around and when you need one you just call for it and it comes and gets you all right there's only 330 million people in the united states of america how many electric cars do you think it's going to take to uh, make sure that you have a car down in big bend texas <laughs> just I'm just saying. More than they can afford. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, no. There's an unlimited amount of money, don't you know? The rich have it all. We're going to take all their money from them. <laughs> it's crazy. No wonder Trump is president. And he will continue to be president with people talking like that. Thank you, sir. I'm glad that you're not, you're not uh, begging for forgiveness because you eat meat or that that one one lady was yeah, confessing. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a member of PETA. Yeah, I am too. People eating tasty animals. You're right. And there's this one lady confession. Here's my confession. I fly from the East Coast to the West Coast to see my son. That's not a bad thing. Leonardo DiCaprio has his own jet. He flies around everywhere. Oh, but he's bought carbon credits from... Um, oh, yeah, from Al, Al Gore. Gore. <laughs> It's such he can he can afford enough carbon credits from Al Gore to be able to fly his jet from coast to coast and probably around the world if he wanted to, and drive his big honking Escalade wherever he wants to with bulletproofing and. Oh, you say it's it the hypocrisy is incredible. Thanks a lot. I got to tell everybody about oh, okay. uh, what's going on uh, as far as. Our good folks over at David Lucas. David Lucas has an educational workshop, Maximizing Social Security, happening here in Little Rock because he wants you to know you have a 96% chance. That's right, a 96% chance of losing $111,000 in Social Security benefits. Not BSing you here. Uh, That uh, is research that was done by Bloomberg. Now, you could lose $111,000 in Social Security benefits just because you take your Social Security benefits at the wrong time. Don't be one of those people. Two workshops in September, Tuesday the 24th, Thursday the 26th. Registration's just 20 bucks. Seats are selling fast. If you save $250,000, Register now by calling 501-653-6690. The workshop reveals the little-known strategies that could help you wring every nickel out of your benefits that are rightfully yours. Call 501-653-6690 or register online at davidlucasfinancial.com. All right, I'm out of time. Let me remind you, I will not be here tomorrow. Tim Lim will be here tomorrow for Fun Friday. I know he's got uh, Mr. Chuck Dixon's coming on, and he'll, he's the guy who came up with Bain and wrote a bunch of great pulp books that I've read that are just really entertaining. And uh, evidently, Sylvester Stallone found this, the Levon series that he wrote, and they're going to make a movie out of the first one. So I'm excited because I love uh, Levon. I, I love those books. So uh, find out about that tomorrow. 
Linda goes in for her surgery at 1 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. So if you've got time to say a prayer, ask you to do it. She's having her ankle worked on. They're going to have to put uh, some steel and, and some uh, screws in her ankle, put it all back together because she broke it in three places last Thursday, a week ago today. So with that in mind, I'll be back with you on Monday. Elizabeth will be here along with Robert Steinbach. Hopefully Molly Hemingway will join us as well to talk about Brett Kavanaugh. Have a great evening. Don't forget next hour, J.R. is with me as we repeat our interview at 2 o'clock.